Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. All right, welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. Obviously, Cindy's not here. We are with Nolan Bianchi. <laughs> I hope I said that right. Uh, he caught, He's a freelance reporter for the Detroit News, and he was formerly on the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. He's got a lot of good insight into the Red Wings, so we have him on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I always love chopping it up about some wings, so uh, obviously lots to talk about. Yeah, I seen that you were there yesterday at the press conference. I was not. I was not. I thought, you, I thought you were there. No, no. I was uh, I was doing that all from from the comfort of my own bedroom. So that oh, was that was, was, nice. that on, was, that was on Skype, right? Zoom or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. How yep. did how so, did how did Eisenman sound when he was talking about, you know, the whole trade deadline? What did you think about it? Well, I kind of thought that, you know, he, he really did the best with what he could. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of two deadlines ago where like you had some guys that could be moved, Athanasiu, Mike Green, uh and, you know, the, those obviously weren't the prizes of the free agent market by any means. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of played out exactly how you thought it would. I think yesterday was a pretty interesting day uh, just across the league because, you know, we we as of like a week ago, the, the market kind of started to pick up. Trade started to uh, to happen. And, and you're looking at it like, holy crap, like this is quite the seller's market. And, and you know, when you apply that to Steve Eiserman. Uh, that usually means it's like uh, work double. I don't know. It, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people were expecting something crazy. Uh, and yeah, with just, Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, yeah. Bertuzzi, Zadina, anything like that. And it I was just one never people, came. I was one of those people that bought into the rumors about Bertuzzi being moved. I was like, he's, he's totally getting moved, you know, because you hear from Frank Cervelli, you're like, okay, he's, he, he has to know something, you know, but then he it, it comes out to be hogwash anyways. Yeah, I mean, like that, that, you know, there's no telling whether or not they actually had discussions on it. I don't think he said during his press conference yesterday whether or not they they entertained anything. But, uh, you know, when it was all said and done, he kind of did give give Bertuzzi a vote of confidence, said that he'd like to extend him sometime in the next 18 months and and make him a player that's here for a really long time. Now, that is uh, that could just be a bluff. You know, that could be <laughs> something he's doing to to keep his trade value high. If he did kind of try and move somebody at the deadline, but is now might be looking to move him closer towards a draft or something like that. Yeah. So I don't think that trading Tyler Bertuzzi is ever out of the question, but I also don't necessarily know that it was uh, a focal point or a mission of what he was trying to accomplish this deadline. Yeah, I, th- I think I think with Tyler Bertuzzi, you know, he's he said that you know, obviously he gave Mantha that contract extension, and then he trades him for, for Jacob Verana. I mean, he's he says he doesn't want to be known as a guy you can't read, but you really can't read this guy. Yeah, and I think that you know the 
what's really interesting is I remember I was listening to the uh, 32 thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman sometime in the last week. And he was talking about that in particular with, with Dylan Larkin. And, and, you know, I think everybody uh, would believe that trading Dylan Larkin is, is unquestionable and that he would fit in that category of untouchables along with Raymond and Cider. Emily Kaplan from ESPN put out a report said that uh, Cider and Raymond were the only untouchables and didn't mention yeah. Dylan Larkin. And I think that that just got everybody's ears perked up a little bit. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, he's somebody who I think just prefers to do his business in quiet. And I think there are a lot of benefits to that. Uh, but then obviously the, the, um, you know, opposite reaction to that as, as people who follow the team and stuff like that is that you just don't get a lot of breadcrumbs. You don't see a lot of stuff coming and, you know, you can, you can kind of be holding out for something that just, just never comes to fruition. Like yesterday with, uh, a, you know, hypothetical Bertuzzi deal or something like that. Yeah. The hypothetical Bertuzzi trade. I, I thought, and I thought at the first I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, oh, I bought, I totally bought into it at, at, at the end. Yeah. Of it. Like, I was like, this is totally happening. But what do you think about the Nick Letty trade? Like, obviously I thought he got a lot for Nick Letty, especially since he's an expiring deal on the, uh, the he's going to be a free agent next year. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he essentially got the the second round pick back that he uh, used to acquire him. So I thought that was nice. And then on top of it, he got a couple uh, nice players in uh, Oscar Sunquist and Jake Wallman. I don't know what those players will be, but, you know, I, I do think that as you kind of move these players out, I mean, he moved three players at the deadline, two of them, he only got back draft picks. And then the other one, he kind of replaced essentially in that blues deal, you know, he kind of uh, yeah, he picked up the uh, picked up Sunquist to maybe uh, take on a role as you know he won't be in the same role as Vlad Nemestikov. I don't think he's as good of a player as Vlad Nemestikov, but he does kind of fit that you know third, fourth line forward type deal. Maybe second line forward. I don't I don't know what he'll end up doing just because uh, you know Blasho is so all over the place when it comes to his line combos and stuff <laughs> like that. But then he also got a replacement on the back end uh with wallman so you know it's kind of sounds like wallman is a little bit similar to the type of player that nick letty is maybe not as good in transition maybe not as good exiting the zone and on zone entries but uh you know still sounds like borderline replacement level players that you can kind of throw into the lineup and not have to worry about calling up you know reinforcements from the ahl to to finish off the season here yeah exactly especially since they're going for a playoff running grab it's but you know i i Watch seeing Sunquist become to the Red Wings and uh, Wallman. You know, obviously, I have a scouting background with the, the NHL, and I actually interviewed with the Red Wings. But you know, Wallman, that, that guy, he's he's a he's just a stay at home defenseman. He's not really good in transition, so I see what you're saying there. And Sunquist, he's a bottom six guy, but it's still good to get something back for a guy who's probably going to free agency, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you think about what the trade deadline is for, for a rebuilding team, a team like the Red Wings, you know, it's pretty much just to how can we get assets without setting, you know, our team back and, and, you know, let's just be smart about this. And I'm glad that, that he's not going to just let things fall off the cliff and say, all right, well, you know, you know, I don't know how we're going to get through the rest of the season because things have not been good. He actually acknowledged that yesterday as well yeah. uh, over the past six weeks. And so I think, you know, one of the primary goals is to kind of get something 
for the players who are worth something while at the same time making sure that all of the progress that was made at the beginning of the season is not completely forgotten about by the time we reach season's end due to uh, a supreme drop-off in play, kind of like we've seen, because it really does feel like over the past you know month or two, uh, they have a little bit erased that that feeling of progress and, you know, who knows where they'll finish up, but they could finish uh, somewhere very similar to, to where they did last year. And I don't think that would necessarily be a surprise, uh, but I think it would be a little bit disappointing given the way that they started the season and, and how promising everything looked, because I think right now, a lot of people are just like, what the heck is going on? So. Yeah. I look at it. Like I kind of like, I think the first part of the season was kind of like a mirage. If you, if you would, you know, because I really don't think they were that good because I really don't think that they had the defense to, to keep up with it. And I really didn't think their offense was that good either, but this has been totally just ridiculous the way they've allowed 61 goals in the last 10 losses. And it's just ridiculous. Yeah. This last stretch has been uh, really bad. And, you know, I remember I was looking at it kind of, I think I can't remember if it was going into that Toronto game or if it was before the Tor- or after the Toronto game or whenever it was, but you know, that was kind of the beginning or, or I don't want to say the beginning. They, they had a really tough seven game stretch where they played like seven top 10 teams in the yep. league. Uh, and Toronto was one of them, that game that they gave up, was it nine goals, 10 goals, whatever it was. Yeah. 10 goals. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was looking at the, the, you know, goal differential across the league. And I believe heading into that game, they were third worst in the league in goal differential. And that just doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen, you know, necessarily because of a bad two, three game stretch. And so I think that stat was kind of, uh, you know, seeing that was, was kind of the eye opener for me is like, okay, maybe this team has been playing a little bit above its, its means a little bit. And I think that everybody kind of figured that for, a majority of the season, but at the end of the day, they were still producing wins. They were finding ways to win close games and, and, you know, maybe, maybe it was the result of a buy-in, but their losses were really, really ugly. And so I think at the end of the day, like you just have to, to come to terms with the fact that, yeah, their defense was, was not very good at all. And uh, you know, we're kind of seeing the results of that now. Their goaltending hasn't been good. Like, I mean, I, the Dalkovich has been playing better as of late, but man, like, some of the goals that they're giving up, I mean, hitting your hitting your own puck in your own net is kind of embarrassing. But giving them nine yeah. goals to the Coyotes was a little bit of a rude awakening, if you will. Yeah, there was like twice in a five-game stretch where Nadelkovich got pulled and then he had to get sent back in the game because Grice was worse. And I honestly, <laughs> like, don't ever remember seeing that in my entire life. So to happen twice in five games is really – kind of tells a story of where that team was. And I do think that that Arizona loss was a bit of a a reaching rock bottom point for that team. And, you know, kind of the thing that I I guess for me and, you know, outside of that stretch, I think, well, during that, that, that tough seven game stretch, I think it was kind of becoming clear that, okay, this team probably is going to make playoffs. And then it's like, all right, can they rebound against the coyotes? And then they, they throw out that kind of performance and, pretty much from that i was like all right that's that's all she wrote on this one so yeah i was i was surprised they unloaded troy stature too because of his he, he i can't he was just not good with detroit and you know there was several times where he looked good and then he looks really really bad at times it's like whew. yeah troy stature was a really interesting case i remember when when he first signed with detroit i talked to uh some woman who covers the uh vancouver canucks pretty closely 
And, you know, I was asking her like, what, what is the story on this guy? Because Vancouver fans love him. You know, he, he's obviously not exactly a world beater back there on the blue line, but like, what's the story. And, you know, she basically told me that every single year, you know, he would start in the, on the third pair and then slowly kind of work his way up to being a top four guy by the end of the year, look really good in a couple different situations and, and fans would be high on him going into the next season only for him to, to kind of find himself back in that exact situation uh, with, with, you know, heading into the season on that third pair. So I think, you know, he was scratched for a little bit. He had the wrist injury. I think there were a number of different things that kind of played into that. But I mean, like there were times last year, I believe where, where they played seven defensemen and he wasn't in the lineup and it was like, dude, like that's, it yeah. just didn't seem right. Like he I mean, wasn't it, playing that bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, but, it's, it's, it's okay if you're playing for Tampa Bay and you're in a seventh defenseman. I mean, yeah, that's, that's obvious. They're Florida, but like, geez, Detroit, like that's like not good for your whole. Yeah. Like yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. So I really want to know, what do you like think about Blashell? Do you really, do you think he's going to be fired at the end of the year? I mean, I, I'm kind of, of the slim majority that thinks that this is mainly a talent, Thing, but I, his line combinations have kind of haven't been great. So I uh, wonder what you think about that. Um, as far as whether or not he will be back next year, I think that that quote from Eiserman yesterday was a little bit telling. Uh, I don't think it was as telling as some people wanted it to be. Like I, I posted on Twitter and I think a lot of people took it as like, oh, he's definitely gone yeah. um, because he did say the last six weeks haven't been good for anybody. But the fact of the matter is he did also acknowledged the fact that they had seen some real progress at the beginning of the year. I was kind of under the impression that maybe if this, these last six weeks, then this complete and utter collapse didn't happen, that maybe he had a chance of coming back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you know, you, you point to the line combinations. I think it was sometime last week, like he had Giovanni Smith playing in the second line and Jacob Verona playing on the third. Yeah. I I saw that. And I was like, man, man, yeah. And then that on top of, you know, the defensive systems, like he, he simply, it, it's weird because like you would kind of go back and forth with this team of like the style they play. Like they, they were in a lot of games last year because they were very kind of focused on playing that defense first style yep. and it worked out for them a lot of times. They didn't pick up a lot of wins, but they were able to keep games close. They lost a lot of games two to one. They lost a lot of games in overtime. They lost a lot of games, you know, three two, games, whatever yeah. it be. and and you're just not really seeing this this, this year. It's it's no. very chaotic, and the results seem random. And and the fact of the matter is, the defense has not been good at all. And you know, when when the time has come for the coach to kind of step in and and smooth things out, he simply hasn't. And so yeah. uh, I do think that if I were a betting man, I would probably bet on him not being the head coach next year. Uh, but maybe that is a, a little bit of, of wishful thinking because, you know, that is definitely the pulse of whatever the, the fans are saying right now. And yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's one it, of those, you never know what Steve Eisenman type of deals, it, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting. Cause he went on 97, won a ticket today. as Stevie Y did. And, and uh, he basically, he was like, he's like, yeah, it's my fault that, you know, the, the talent on the roster, the talent on the defense, he's like, but it's everybody's fault for, he, he was, he kind of played this tight to the best, and they asked him about Blashill, and he's like, well, he had a good start to the year, and, then, you know, the last six weeks haven't been as good, but then he's, like, given this, like, little window of this last portion of the season where he can kind of pick things back up, and 
I don't know. I just think I just think Jeff Lashley is going to stay around another year. I just I I think he's going to get another chance to right the ship, and I think Stevie Y is going to make some moves in free agency this year. And I just think that that's something that Stevie Y really wants to do. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think it's 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 you know it could very well be likely that that is exactly what happens. Uh, I think people will lose their ever loving minds if it does. You, you know they will. You know they will. They'll, they'll lose their minds. Like we yeah. I, I I see it all the time with. Anytime you post something about Blasio, it's like blows up and like, no, he's horrible. Like everyone thinks that Scotty Bowman, you know, that Scotty Bowman's coming back. I'm like, guys, Scotty Bowman's a once in a lifetime type coach. Like, oh yeah, it's it, it won't be Scotty Bowman, but you're not it will be Scotty Bowman. Hopefully, you know, there, there are quite a few guys I think that Red Wings fans have identified as well. People who were with the organization formerly and uh, Larry Onoff and Fedorov and yep. uh, there's that guy over in Sweden, Richard Kronberg, or I think that's his name. Yep. Uh, and I think fans, they, they have the, uh, I don't know, because, you know, last season when everybody was like, oh, it's, it's Galan, it's Galan, it's Galan. He's going to be the next guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't. Like he could have had Gallant if he wanted him, but people act like you know he missed out on this opportunity to get Gallant when the reality is like that. That is simply not the case. And yeah, I think Gerard Gallant is a good coach, but the fact of the matter is he hasn't won, and the way he's been kind of swiftly, you know, removed from his previous two positions. Yeah, Vegas, uh, New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like he's not the end all be all. And yeah, exactly. people obviously yeah. want it because there's the ties and he has had success, but I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have an idea in mind for who the next coach will be. I just know that, that if Blash comes back, I don't think people will be happy. Uh, th- th- there's no doubt they won't be happy. They're, it, it's <laughs> That's the way Rebels fans are. I mean, they're just, it's a, it's a passionate group. So that's obviously what you get with passion. Yeah. Man, it's like crazy. But like, I, you know, I heard Stevie Y on 97 won the ticket. He was talking about that this is going to be a long rebuild, but he named the prospects and said that he thinks that they're going to come up like a Simon Simon Evanson and a Soderblom. Like, what do you guys, what do you think of those two in particular? Well, I think uh, Soderblom is kind of an interesting case. I think, you know, he'll definitely probably be spending a, a season in Grand Rapids, but uh, who knows that that could very well change. Uh you know, starting next year in training camp, I do think he'll come over to North America. I hope he'll come over to North America after next season and kind of, you know, probably not, or I would say 80% chance that he won't make the roster out of camp, but uh, you know, I, I think it'll be good to start getting him looks in the AHL, kind of getting him adjusted to that game on North American ice. And I think that that's a, a, something that a lot of people overlook is simply being able to adjust to the, the North American ranks. Uh, and, you know, Mo Sider definitely, he came over uh, from, from Sweden and, and he adjusted pretty well, but he also had a full year in the AHL and, and Lucas Raymond is an exception to that. Uh, but Lucas Raymond is a very, very, very special type of player. And I'm not saying Elmer Soderblom isn't, uh, but I do think that, you know, he is definitely more of a uh prospect in the traditional sense of like yeah. okay you're gonna need to bring this guy along Edmondson though I I I am very high on Simon Edmondson I think that there's like a chance that in five years like I don't I don't ever want to say like oh he's gonna be better than Moritz Sider because Moritz Sider is looking like uh, a perennial Norris trophy candidate yeah but I do think that there's a chance that in five to seven years you can genuinely ask yourself the question who would you rather have 
uh, Cider or Edmondson, and it might be a tough decision. So that is not an indictment on Cider at all. It is more a uh, very high praise for Simon Edmondson because he looked like a very good prospect coming out of the draft. And everything he's done in his draft plus one year has only kind of reinforced that uh, in a way that that has me really excited. All of his strengths have, or all of his weaknesses have kind of been, uh, you know, developed over this past year. And, and we're seeing a really special player start to grow over there. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love Simon Evanson. I think I think what you just said about him and Cider, I think that's that's exactly what I kind of envision about uh, Edmondson. I think. Man, he's just a, he's so, he's so good when you watch him. And he just him and Cider, they kind of they, when I was watching Cider over there in the Swedish Elite Hockey League, I was like, this guy's ready to play. And I look at the Edmondson, I'm like, this guy is probably ready to play next year. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. So yeah, the, so if you had to make a free agent signing in the off season, are you going like forward, like center, or are you going defenseman, or? You going both? Oh man, that is tough. I honestly haven't really looked at the free agent list uh, that's out there for this upcoming season. I can't think of too many off the top of my head, but I do think that uh, you do kind of want to start shoring up that center depth. Um, that's uh, that's exactly I, I think what I You're kind of loaded on the wings. I do think that there's probably a possibility that they go out and they make a a, 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 a solid signing on the back end, but I also don't know that they'll be committing any money to that. So you know what kind of player can you really get for you know a limited budget um on the free agent market it's it remains to be seen but um you know i think mark Stahl has a decent chance to come back next season and and when you look at the guys who might be filling out that roster uh at the nhl level you know you might have room for for a piece or two uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they decide to fill those whether it be internally externally um but the defense does need to improve. So maybe that's, that's where it happens. But um, I would say, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to flip my answer. So I'm going to say defense one uh, center two. And then, you know, if you can get some help on the wings uh, by all means, go for it. And then who knows what they'll do in the goalie market as well. Cause Sebastian coast is still going to be quite a bit away. And uh, is a free Thomas Grice is, is, I would make a, a pretty good bet that he's not coming back next season. No, I don't think he's coming back, but you know, I kind of think center is a little bit of a big, that's a, that's kind of one I, I look at and I'm like, they really need center depth because you know, Larkin, it's obviously your top center. That's going to be, that's, but you need a second center. That's actually a second center, not like Pusit or, or uh, you know, any of those guys, because you really need a second center, especially playing in the Atlantic division where there's so many people, you know, yeah, no, that's that's a good point as well. Like the the Atlantic Division is so loaded with talent up the middle, and I I just it, it could be via trade. You know, they they could. That was kind of the thing that I had thought about with Bertuzzi is like, well, if you can trade him for an Anton Lundell type player, a Marco Rossi type player, somebody who you who you can kind of take a gamble on to say, okay, this is going to be our permanent answer at the two C. I think you know, that's good enough reason for me to go ahead and do something like that. Because like you said, it is so hard to do it. And if they're going to do it through the draft, um, you're going to be waiting. You're yeah. You're going to be waiting probably uh, a little bit on, you know, that elite player up the middle. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think at the top overall pick, cause you know, how you miss a play, you barely miss the playoffs and you get the top overall pick in the NHL draft. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's especially if you're an original six uh, big market team. Yeah, especially since you know they kind of want you to, especially in New York and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. It's been it's been nice talking to you. Obviously, 
you know a lot of stuff and it was it's been great to have you on we'll have to have you on again appreciate it thank you yeah anytime all right cool this is nolan bianchi from he's a he's from the detroit news he was on lockdown detroit rappings podcast and uh he came out between the whistles and hope you liked it have a good day